G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Well, we've made it to episode 20 and I've got a very special episode for you guys. I have my beautiful wife, Kim Williams. Welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. <laughs> so, let's just kick it straight off the bat. What do you do for work for the listeners to know? Uh, so I studied HR management and was working in HR for about seven years and then recently made the switch into the work health and safety sector. So currently safety and wellbeing manager at Obella. So shout out to the Obella team. <laughs> for anyone that knows me, you know, s- safety and HR are probably my two two opposite things. So... <laughs> Um, I'm married to someone very opposite to me. (laughs) In every single way. (laughs) What did you think when you found out that I hunted? I was very uneducated about it and I guess I didn't really have an opinion either way. Um, I remember I wanted to hear from you about what it was all about. Early on when I first met you, I remember going on Facebook and then Googling you not much after. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a bit stalkerish now that I think about it. Um, But there was quite a few confronting articles and (laughs) stories that I saw about you. Um, But I guess like five years on, I've learned so much about who you are, what you do and what hunting, camping, fishing means to you. And I guess like how it all started and I think it's really taught me how much the media can get it all wrong. Quite definitely and yeah when in my uh, dating stage of life that's that was very the common thing people would uh, see these confronting photos and then next minute deleted so thanks for sticking around for all these (laughs) years. (laughs) Five years and going. (laughs) Uh, I think um if I had like any advice for anyone out there, it would be to educate yourselves about hunting before making an uneducated opinion about all of it. Definitely, definitely. It's uh, definitely not what the media and Disney portray, that's <laughs> for sure. What were your thoughts on hunting before we met? I didn't have one. Um, so I lived a very sheltered life in that sense. Uh, I grew up in suburban Adelaide, so northeast of Adelaide, and did not know anything about hunting or hunters in general until I met you. <laughs> so a massive, massive culture shock when you first met me. This um, country country redneck guy at the wool shed. <laughs> yes, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> How do you fit... How do you feel is a good way to bring up hunting when you first start dating someone that doesn't hunt? 
I think it's definitely needs to be brought up straight away. Um, I think something that I've learned about you is that it's who you are and it's more than just a hobby. It's not a sport. It's how you're raised and it's like a belief. Um, it's, I guess, like meeting a hunter and if they're anything like what you are, um, the person needs to be on board with it from the start. Otherwise, I think both people are wasting their time. 100%. <laughs> um, I think your partner needs to understand and accept like the hunting lifestyle and everything that comes with it. And I know, I think deep down that the kids and I will always come first, I think. <laughs> followed Except by, April. <laughs> followed by a really close second, which is you hunting and being outdoors. And I think early on in our relationship, it was just more trying to navigate through this and how it worked. And getting a good family hunting life balance. Yeah, absolutely. And then then you found out about the rut and then everything goes off a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did your family members and friends react when they found out you were dating a hunter outdoorsman? I think their first reaction was they were shocked. Um, I know my parents definitely were surprised when I spoke for the first time about you. (laughs) (laughs) Not only being a hunter and outdoorsman, but you are six years younger than me. So I think that was a bit of a shock as well. (laughs) Um. They were very shocked when you first took me on my first fish and camping trip. Um, Couldn't believe that a city girl would ever go camping. Nothing that I've (laughs) ever done or even thought of doing before meeting you. And my friends, I think they just wanted me to be happy. Um, They had a really good laugh about it, I think. And I think they might have been behind some of the the stalker. (laughs) situations too when we first met so definitely massive culture shock for your friends and your family especially growing up in that sub suburban life lifestyle not camping um your first camping experience we uh, did some fishing and camping along along the murray um what did we sleep in a swag <laughs> <laughs> And you'd never slept in a swag, let alone a tent before. So it would have been a bigger, big shock for you. Yes, definitely. I lived the hotel life experience, <laughs> the resorts, uh, never camping before, never swag, uh, never going without a shower or a toilet facility. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say you... You you got a bathing facility right there. The river jumps jumps straight in. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think I get used to it now. I'm outnumbered with three boys in the house. Definitely, definitely, it's going to be lots of outdoorsy adventures in the future. So, what was your first impressions on on your first hunt? I remember it probably being about a year when I had first met you, um, give or take. And it was really cold and wet. I believe it was on a Sunday night. And I remember you giving me your camo clothes to put on. And I think I kind of remember at the time, firstly, why do I need to wear them? Um, But I think in the end, I needed it because it was so freezing. 
Um, I remember we drove around a property for a little while um, before we spotted some deer. And I think by memory, we spotted a deer that was on its own. Um, So we got out of the car. It was raining. It was really wet. And we lost where it was. Um, So we had to walk a little bit. And then I believe the deer was about 20 metres or so away. Um, And then you shot it on the run. I think like my initial thoughts were, it was a bit of an adrenaline rush. I was freezing (laughs) and I didn't know what to expect next. And of course, in Zach's style, anyone that knows you, uh, the first thing I believe we did was took a selfie (laughs) to capture the moment. (laughs) Took a photo, yep. Um. So yeah, we took took the photo. We chucked it back in into the car. Well, we dragged it back to the car. Um, it was yeah, pissing down with rain midday a Sunday, middle of wind. Oh, not not quite winter, but it was it was a big cold weather front that came through and chucked in the car. Took it back home. I um gutted it, scun it, and um I believe I cooked up some venison tenderloins. I ate some heart and some <laughs> onion and mushroom. Um, I don't think I could convince you into having any of the heart. <laughs> no, I think even back then it would have probably been a shock just eating the venison, I think. Definitely, definitely. So you jumped right into the deep end with the hunting. Um, just a bit before that, you caught your first fish. Um, what was your first your first impressions on catching your first fish and going fishing? Yes, I'd never been fishing before either. Um, And I think we were, I feel like we were camping maybe, or it might have been a day trip at um, Walker's Flat, so just along the Murray. Um, It was pretty early on, I think, after meeting you. And still to this day, um, in our living room, we have the photo of me (laughs) with my first fish. (laughs) I guess for me, it was a pretty proud moment. I think for you too, it was definitely out of my comfort zone. It was, it was, (laughs) it was a warmish weekend camping along the banks of the river and um, yeah, you caught a, probably about a 30, 35 centimetre carp for your first fish. Um, Carp tend to be a very common fish for people to catch for their first fish, especially in South Australia, fishing the Murray River, Um, right up alongside your first fish is that photo of the first hunt as well mm. with a young fallow spiker. Um, so, yeah, we got all these memories, bits and pieces around the house from from these early day and current day adventures. Um, I do have another story, actually, I thought of. <laughs> um, so it probably would have been a little bit longer, but I remember um, we took Aiden, so our eldest son, uh, he's just turned eight, we were in Murray Bridge fishing, and I think it was one of the first times you'd taken me and him to this spot. And the rods were out, and it was a pretty warm day, I think, by memory. And you and Aiden went into the backwaters, and you were bow fishing for a little while, and there was a bite on one of the fishing rods. Yep. 
And I'm pretty sure it was a carp. And it was quite big. Big enough that it was difficult for me to reel in. <laughs> and I remember because it was reasonably early into us dating, I tried so hard to reel this carp in. And I feel like it was at least 15 to 20 minutes, <laughs> at least, because I had to prove to myself that I could do it without you there. And I reckon about 15 or 20 minutes later, you guys came back to where I was and I still had the carp on the rod. It wasn't out the water yet. <laughs> I was waiting for you to help me and pull it back out. Um, but it was pretty impressive. I think it was better than the first fish, actually. Definitely. I was... Uh it would have been probably our second time going out with Aiden together, taking him fishing. Um, the first time we went there, we got Aiden's first fish. And then this second time, Aiden and I wandered off. The bites were slow, so we wandered off. Went and shot a couple of fish with a bow and left you with the rods in the water. And, um, yeah, you got a bite and I've come back and you're, you're there next to the bank and you've got the rod it's a two-piece rod you've got it in two pieces and you're just looking at me and there's this fish sitting on the bank so you pulled it up onto the bank but you couldn't do much um it also would have been about a 75 centimeter almost 80 centimeter carp and real big fat belly on it and you're just standing there like what do i do um i was really impressed because the fishing rod only had six pound line mono line on it so I was pretty impressed that you managed to fight it, get it in, and then get it up onto the bank by yourself. And you thought you'd broke the rod it was because it was in the two pieces and you were freaking out. You're like, oh, no, he's going to get so mad at me for breaking his fishing rod. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was definitely pretty impressed. And then um, a few months after that, we uh, went on a fishing charter. We did, yeah. Um, so... I think it was like the first Christmas that we were together um, and I had no idea what to buy you. We're so different in everything. We are complete opposites. And so I decided to buy you a fishing charter experience for two. And I remember when giving you the voucher, I said, it's for two. You don't have to take me. <laughs> but you decided to take me, of course. And so we were off of Cape Jervis. It was a pretty early start. Um, I believe we were in the boat probably for like seven or eight hours, I think. Yeah, it would have been would have been about eight hours. Um, it was I'm pretty sure we had to get there by five thirty AM and it's about a two hour drive from where I was living at the time. So we got up really early. So I think we got up at 2.30 a.m. and drove drove down there running on some energy drinks and um, some some service station food, got down there. And, yeah, we got down there um, on the Flurio Charters with, with the Captain Ben, the skipper, and, um, yeah, we got onto some pretty amazing fish that day. So Kim caught her second, third and fourth fish that day and just blew it out the water. Yeah, I was on a boat with, I reckon it was six to eight males and <laughs> I was the only female. You were. <laughs> and I think just looking at me, they thought, oh, she's got no idea. Um, and I probably didn't to start with, <laughs> but I did catch the biggest tuna and the biggest snapper of the day. You did. There was some uh, pretty upset fellas on the boat that day. You caught a um, 14 kilo tuna, which was the... 
biggest for the day and you caught a 10 pound snapper which was the biggest for the day so your your second and third fish were snapper so you caught the biggest snapper of the day on your second fish ever and then you caught the biggest tuna of the day on your fourth fish ever <laughs> so some pretty uh pretty amateur luck there i'd say but um yeah I was I was very very proud, but there was some very jealous, upset people on the boat that that weren't too happy. I know. Um, after the boat, we had a a funny experience where we were dividing up the fish, and the captain asked for everyone's eskies, <laughs> and of course, with Zach's memory, we forgot the esky. So we had to scramble to the nearest service station to buy the best kind of esky we could possibly buy, <laughs> fill it with ice to bring home our catches for the day. I just didn't think we'd catch anything, so I didn't bring... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, luckily at Cape Jervis, there's a general store there and they sell the big foam, the foam eskies, so we're able to chuck our fresh-caught fish in there, our fillets of tuna, and we... Uh, Went back up to my place and cooked a whole snapper and did a bunch of bunch of sashimi and um, you ate some raw tuna off straight off of the the fish carcass on the boat, which was pretty impressive. Um, even a couple of the guys on the charter charter didn't do it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the things I did to try and win your affection in the early stages. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What about trying game meat before and after? Had you ever thought on eating venison or goat or anything? And then what was your thoughts on it afterwards? Never thought about it um, previous to meeting you. Um, Obviously, just growing up with the background that I had, um, it wasn't like an option for me. But I guess like now, uh, venison and goat for our family is, you know, part of our weekly meals um you know you fill out the freezer every april for that meat to last us you know this next six to 12 months so you know both of our kids eat as much as what we do um i guess like you probably do most of the cooking with the game meat i kind of stay a bit clear of that but (laughs) i do have a few favorites so you are well known for your venison poppers. They're pretty good. I do love making them. Mm-hmm. Um, we do do, especially like in winter, a lot of venison curries in the slow cooker. Uh, so definitely a, cl- a crowd pleaser for the youngest, who's two. And we do do a lot of like roasts and steaks with venison and goat as well. Yeah, the, the curries are great because... You ch- we get it out on the night before, and you chuck it on the um, chuck it in the slow cooker just before you head to work, and then I finish it off when I get home from work, and yeah, it just works out really well, and that lasts us a good couple of days with the with the curry and rice, a couple of lunches, a couple of dinners, so, and then the slow, just like the slow cooked pulled venison as well in the slow cooker, that's that it goes goes down well. Amazing. <laughs> So, life as a hunter's wife. Well, what can I say? I guess, um, you know, you and I make a lot of jokes about this. um, And I guess anyone that's close to us would know. But 
uh, every April, I am pretty much a single mum for the month <laughs> of April. We all know it. Um, so in April is hunting season. The fallow and yep. red deer rut, yep. So um, you go out as much as possible in April. Um, so most weekends, uh, quite a few weekdays as well. Um, but I guess like for me, I know how passionate you are and I know it's who you are and it's something that I'll never change. Um, I guess like now that we've got the two kids, eight and eight and Ollie, that's two, um, I can only hope that, you know, they find this passion, uh, whether it be in hunting, camping, outdoors or in a sport, I guess, um, hunting and camping and fishing, you know, now being with you for five years on, uh, it's something that our whole family enjoys together, but it's something that you also do as a release and for something for you. Um, but it's something that brings us together as well for a family. Um, I guess like any hobby, um, you know, you do it solo, you do it as a family. I think this with this one, the hunting and the fishing, you know, it's something that all of us do. Yeah, it, it translate as a uh, translates as a good family family thing because I can go out by myself, I can go out with the boys, I can go out with you. Um, but the the work doesn't stop just in hunting season when I'm going out hunting. When I shoot something, then Kim has to deal with me breaking down deer in the garage and on in, in the kitchen bench. Um, so just after Kim had Ollie, he would have been four or five days old. Um, I'd shot a deer. I had him on a little chest harness and butchering a whole deer in the kitchen, um, vacuum sealing with a with a four or five day old on my on my chest while Kim was recovering from a C section on the couch. <laughs> so it, it definitely doesn't stop there and it takes up a lot of time. Um, the work starts when the when the deer's down because you have to break it all down um, and then you know I do with the bones I make stock and all sorts of stuff out of all the all the offal. Um, I've I've tried doing stuff like. Um, venison um pate liver pate and that takes up a bit of time time to do so kim has to deal with me not only going hunting all day and then coming home and butchering all night then i'm trying to cook and make stuff that i've seen on tv or facebook or instagram (laughs) (laughs) so we covered camping a little bit um we covered your first thoughts on a swag. What was your first thoughts on a tent and then going from a swag to a tent to a camper trailer now? Yeah, so the swag is quite good. I think originally when I first met you, we were actually sharing a single swag. We and were. And then I think we upgraded to a double, I believe, which was a lot nicer, a lot more room. And then with the two kids, we upgraded to, I think, a six-person tent, maybe eight. A four-person tent it was. Um, Swag probably more preferred over than a tent. Um, But I guess the more trips that we do with the kids, we decided to purchase a camper trailer late last year. Yep. 
Uh, I was on the road to getting a caravan, <laughs> but you changed my mind. <laughs> with a with a lot of convincing. <laughs> <laughs> One day I will get that. <laughs> you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, the camper trailer is good. Um, you know, we've made a few adjustments to the bedding, so it's a lot more comfortable. Yeah, we took out the um, original mattress, thin, you know, probably eight, ten centimeter mattress, and put a 30, 30, 40 centimeter mattress in there, like a proper proper bed one in there. So that made things a hell of a lot more comfortable. Um, our first couple runs were deep into summer, so 35, 40, 40 degrees. So we purchased a 12 volt van, a fan that went really, really well in there too. Um, I almost gave myself heat stroke setting it up for the <laughs> second time at the, at the caravan park. Um, I've just made a, new purchase for it some um some pole fittings that make setting it up a hell of a lot easier so keen to give that a run on our next our next trip that's for sure and hopefully i don't give myself heat stroke this time <laughs> <laughs> i think the, the both of the kids are like the upgrade to the camp trailer so that's a bit of a win for both of them definitely um any advice for someone who is dating a hunter or fisherman uh, I think my only advice is never to try and change them. You're never going to, no matter <laughs> what you do. <laughs> no. Definitely learnt that. Um, either love it or hate it, it's who they are. Um, Set in our ways. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess like I've learnt from you, you know, it's who you are, it's who you've grown up to be. It's, you know, it's a bit of your escape as well, especially like when you do it on your own. Um, you know, you'll be out for half a day or you'll be out for a day and, you know, just the kind of person that you come back as after, you know, 100% different <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Um, you know, you've had your time to yourself. You've had your time in the environment that you love and doing something that you just, yeah, you love, your freedom, your roots. Um, so I think my only advice is just never try and change that person Um you're just not going to win with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a definitely a great reset for me. Um, you know, all the shit you put up with during the working week, you get out there for half a day or a day and you just, whether you shoot something or not, you're just grounded out there, you know, sit up under a tree and watch some deer or watch some goats and it's just, yeah, everything resets your, mi your mind and just everything. It's like yoga but better. <laughs> thoughts on kids being exposed to guns and bows and knives at at a young age like ours have been mm. nothing that i was exposed to i guess <laughs> definitely at our kids age um i know so when i first met you um i guess i did have to really think about like knives and guns and bows being in the house, especially um, in those early stages. So we moved in probably after about a year, 18 months of, yeah. of dating. And uh, Aiden, our oldest, probably would have been <clears throat> four or five. Yeah, four and a half. And so, you know, he was pretty young and I definitely had like my reservations to start with. Um, and I guess it was just probably more so... I wasn't educated about it. Um, I didn't kind of understand any of the rules. 
So it was more about you explaining that to me. And I guess like my background, I do work in safety (laughs) every day. So to me, you know, that was my number one priority with the kids. I needed to make sure that they were safe and it was nothing that they were going to ever kind of be exposed to. But I guess like years on now, it's just part of our family and our everyday life. Yeah. Um, And I know that our kids really understand the importance of being safe around guns, bows, knives, um, you know, even up until a couple of weeks ago, we went out <clears throat> for a family trip just into one of the properties that you have access to and you were just doing some shooting and, you know, the kids understand just the basic rules of, you know, when you've got guns, what you can and can't do and where you need to be situated when you are shooting a gun. So, you know, now I'm fine with it. Um, But I think it was really about knowing that the kids were going to be 100% safe in the house. Yeah. It's a a big concern. Um, Guns, especially in the US where kids get hold of them, you know, uh, they don't have storage requirements quite like we have here where we have to have a safe bolted down and... um, keys hidden and other people not knowing where they are. Um, we got the, you know, there's eight bows on the wall just there. There's a couple on the ground, knives in every, <laughs> every drawer in my hunting room, um, bedside drawer, you know? <laughs> so it's just, yeah, drilling the kids in with the, with the gun safety basics and knife safety. Um, you know, I was, I was taught gun safety from quite a young age and I was taught, knife safety from quite a young age you know i probably had a pocket knife since i was five years old slingshot bows all of that stuff so it's all i ever known and i believe strongly believe that if you teach kids young enough that's all they're ever ever going to know they're not going to have that curiosity to fuck around with firearms like someone who doesn't doesn't have that understanding yeah and i think like you know, even our kids, um, you know, Zach's got our fourth bedroom set up as his hunting room. Hunting very, room, podcast very, studio. <laughs> very lucky guy. A whole room to himself. And it has, yeah, all of his bows, his guns, his podcast studio. And I guess the kids, they don't even go into this room unless you're with them. Yeah. So they just know that. It's off bounds unless you're here. Yeah, the little one comes up and he goes, Dad, 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 hunting room, hunting room. And he'll run up and wait at the door until I come in and open it. And then he'll go check out their antlers and the horns and his little bow and stuff like that. And he just, he's just real curious and wants me to open up the gun safe so he can he can see inside the gun safe. And he, he, just, he just loves it. <laughs> Just like his daddy. Yes, yes. It's uh, quite scary with how how similar he is. <laughs> what is it? What is hard or challenging about being married to someone in this lifestyle? So we've already spoken about April, um, the rut. So that's probably the hardest, I guess, um, because we don't see you a lot in April. Uh, even to, I guess, like next year, you are going to New Zealand in April. So that'll be a 
fun for yourself, <laughs> but also uh, stressful, for, stressful you. for me being back home with the kids for a few weeks. Um, but apart from that, it's nothing hard or challenging about it. Um, you know, sometimes it can be challenging when, you know, people have different perceptions on hunters and what they stand for. Um, you know, definitely being married to one. Um, you know, you have your conversations when you meet people. You know, what do you do? What does your husband do? And, you know, sometimes I don't know whether to bring it up or not, <laughs> to be honest, because uh, it's an acquired taste. Um but being married to someone in this lifestyle, it's it's not difficult. It's um, you know, yeah. as long as you're accepting of who they are, then you know, there's nothing hard about it. It's just ex- hard explaining it to other people, especially when you're working from home doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or when the uh, the nurse came came. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we do have um this deer in our living room uh, has been taxidermied yeah. and I believe it or not did purchase this for Zach. So I got one of his friends, Brittany Lux taxidermy to do this as I believe maybe a Christmas present. Yeah. It would have been our second Christmas present. It was yeah. a deer I shot earlier that year in April during the rut. Um, and then Brittany had it until I, had some coin to do it and then you've messaged her behind my back and got it got it all sorted for Christmas. I mean the work is amazing and she is very talented. Um we do have one in the house. I'm not sure how I'd go with having more. There will be. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have this conversation off air. Um I know one thing so with my my job, I do sometimes work from home from time to time. And we do have a lot of uh, Zoom or WebEx calls that we do do from home. And where I set up my work desk <laughs> is just in front of the deer that's on the wall. So when I am working from home on calls, I do get a lot of comments from work colleagues in what is that in the wall <laughs> and is it real? <laughs> the other one was um, when we had Ollie who, yeah, is only just over two now, but um, a pretty bad labour um, and a lot of complications after the C-section. So we had nurses uh, come to our house almost daily and it was definitely a talking point to every nurse <laughs> that came into our house <laughs> there was that one awesome nurse from new zealand and she thought it was incredible <laughs> <laughs> so going on the taxidermy the skulls other dead animal parts what and what are your thoughts of having them in the house and how have you adapted to um Some of them are tasteful. (laughs) (laughs) The one that we have in our living room is brilliant. Um, However, in the hunting room right now, (laughs) I am very glad that I've given you your own room to hang all of these. That's for sure. (laughs) It's definitely not my taste, but I love that you love it. It's it's a great taste. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We'll agree to disagree. (laughs) 
What was some of your coolest adventures before kids? Like you weren't into camping or anything like that. So what was your... Yeah, I did a bit of traveling when I was younger. Um, so lots of partying, lots of partying in my 20s, a lot. Um, you know, always Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday nights. Um, but I guess like my probably best adventures before having kids was I did a Europe 30-day cruise, um, so around Mediterranean Europe, and it was just brilliant. It was um, city after city, um, every couple of days going somewhere new, um, lots of entertainment on the boat. Um, a few other trips were, you know, your general Bali and Phuket trips with family and friends, so they were always good. And the one experience, shout out to my amazing dad who took me to the Hawthorne and Geelong Grand Final um, in my younger days. I'm probably thinking maybe mid-20s, but I was a huge Hawthorne fan, um, mainly because of Lance Franklin. No clue you have who no that. idea who he is because <laughs> I know you're not into football. But um, that was an awesome experience going to Melbourne for the weekend with Dad and watching that grand final. We lost, but, um, yeah, just the crowd and the atmosphere was just amazing. No, it's good that you were able to go, go overseas and see, a, see parts of Europe and then um, have some good bonding experience with your dad. Um, that's something I believe in well and truly is having these experiences, whether it's sports or hunting, fishing, camping, bonding with your your family over these things. Um, what are some of your standout moments with our children so far? Yeah, so I guess like we've, I'm just trying to think now, we've done quite a few camping trips. Um, some of them more so spare of the moment where we've just kind of pulled up along the Murray and stayed a few nights, um, always good fun. Or we've had a lot of um, caravan park trips. Um, so we've done Renmark a few times. Uh, Berry, uh, we're about to do Swan Hill in a couple of weeks' time. <clears throat> I guess for the kids, the caravan parks are the winners, um, for me Definitely. anyway. I guess like having the two young kids, you know that they're safe at all times. You've got the water parks, you've got the pools, um, there's kids' rooms, there's skate parks, there's outdoor theatres. So there's lots of entertainment to keep them busy. Um, and I guess for the adults, you kind of get a bit of a break. You can actually sit back and, you know, enjoy some of the camping. I guess for me also there's uh, showers and toilets, so that's <laughs> always a winner. <laughs> um, but I guess like apart from the kind of camping trips, we some of the standout moments is um, with our eldest, Aiden, we took him to KI. And I'm thinking he might have been, I'm thinking four. Yeah, he would have been about four, four and a half. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, he hadn't been over there before. Um, and you ended up, so we ended up camping one night, but we also stayed at a friend's property. Yeah. Um, which had lots of animals, which he thought was amazing he got up to wake up the next morning got to feed all the animals yeah there's some ducklings and some there's an incubator there so we're taking the 
the ducklings and the um, chicks out of the incubator and so he got to cuddle with all the baby chickens and they have sheep and goats. Um, this is my good mate Aaron's house, so we stayed over there. Then we went and stayed on one of, hunt, one of his hunting properties while we were over there. We did a bit of fishing. Aiden caught his first squid um, and then I caught one and it was stolen by a seagull shortly after and that's that's probably one of his most most exciting memories whenever we we speak about kangaroo island he always brings that up um so we did some yeah driving around and he did the whole sit on your lap while you drive around he he definitely talks about that a lot still too as well i guess like another trip um i thought it was pretty cool was mount gambia i mean i'd been there before with my parents um but aiden once again hadn't um so that road trip was quite cool. I think, like, on the way there was the giant... Lobster. Lobster, yeah. Um, so stop out, get some selfies. Um, I think we stayed at the caravan park that time as well, that trip. Yeah, so we camped one night on the way up there and had a explore around one of the parks up there. Um, had a, As we were setting up, we had a fallow deer spiker run straight through the middle of the camp. So that that was a pretty fun experience. Unfortunately, we don't have any public land hunting in in South Australia, so we couldn't do any hunting. But we chucked our camos on and had a walk around and looked and found some more deer and glassed them through the binoculars. So that was that was good fun. And then we stayed at a caravan park in Mount Gambier. Um, I've got lots of fond memories from growing up, traveling with my nan and pop, and visiting family down Mount Gambier. So it was great to be able to do that with my my young family at the time and go check out all the all the caves and the sinkholes and mount remarkable and um port mcdonald and do a little bit of fishing while we're down there as well so i think like the other things that come to mind not so much trips but some other standout moments is definitely in summer like i feel like we're never home um we're always fishing at the river um, we do a lot of day trips with the kids, so whether that's at the river or the beach. Um, we have all have a kayak, so we do some kayak day trips with the kids. Um, and we've also been doing recently like a lot of forest adventures. Um, so the kids are really getting into walking in the forest, doing some hiking, uh, searching for some different mushrooms, seeing what... Animals. Edible mushrooms, not not the magic kind, guys. <laughs> I know I know where all of your minds went then. Safety first. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're probably doing like a lot more um, yeah day trips at the moment, but lots of forest. And I guess the other trip that I've probably left last in probably the best one we've had was um, pre COVID. We took Aiden to Phuket, which was his first ever overseas trip. Yeah which he talks to about this day. He loved it, loved being in the pool every single day, loved the elephant adventures. Uh, we went on a fishing... Went to a fishing park. Park, yep. Chillong Fishing Park in Phuket. That was... That was awesome. Incredible, mm-hmm. great experience. We caught a bunch of red-tailed catfish, so Kim caught a few paku, um... Aiden caught the first two fish of the day, which were two Amazon red-tailed catfish. I think Kim caught the 
the first fish out of us, which would have been the paku. She caught a few of them. Um, I caught a couple of red tails, a couple of paku, um, and then the biggest one of the trip was the the Mekong. Um, Kim was tired, and she's like, "Oh, put a rod down," and she went and sat, and her rod went off, and she's like, "No, you just take it." And yeah, it turned out to be a big thirty kilo Mekong catfish. So that was a pretty cool experience. Though those things go very very hard. Um, and yeah, that was just, just incredible. So hopefully next trip, when we go there, we'll go back there and chase some of the other species we didn't catch there, like the primer and the alligator gar and stuff like that. <laughs> if I can talk you into it. I think the thing that you're missing from the fishing day was that I had the best bad pad tie that I've ever had. <laughs> oh, I think you had the best curry too. Definitely the food there um, cooked by the uh, owner's wife was just incredible. It was the best. I, I love, I'm a sucker for Thai green curry and it was the best Thai green curry I've ever had. And the pad tie was awesome. outstanding <laughs> as well, but the, the curry was better. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a cool trip that one um, going especially the fishing because you sit around a big lake, you know, you've got a couple guys that bait your hooks, which is a different experience. I'm not used to someone else baiting your hook and putting the rod out for you. Um, but they uh, definitely know their, their stuff when it comes to it. Um, that's what they do day in and day out. And being able to have a few, few cold beers while you're sitting around in tropical climate. Um, Aiden made a friend there mm. with, um, with another another little boy there that was from, I think his parents were from England and they lived in Saudi Arabia and they were there in Thailand visiting. So it was a, a cool cultural thing for, for Aiden to experience, that's for sure. Um, and then, yeah, we did the, the elephant trip that... That was cool, seeing all the the rescue elephants in the in the jungle and checking out all the waterfalls and stuff through the through the jungles and seeing the um, the jungle perch swimming through the the waterfalls. That was called cool. the big schools where they were, they were throwing feed in there and they're all splashing around. Um, what tips can you offer for people that want to do more with their children in the outdoors? I think. Um since meeting you, um, you've kind of proved that you can do a lot of fun adventures with the kids and they don't have to be expensive. So I guess like for lots of parents out there, if you're, you know, looking for some quite cheap things to do, um, there's lots of things that you can do exploring the river or the beach, um, the forest. There's lots of forest to explore in Adelaide Hills. Um, you know, there's lots of days where we just uh, load up the car um, decide what we're doing on the day and either just go for a hang at the river or the beach. Um, I guess from being with Zach, it's definitely taught me that there's a lot of um, either free or small fee camping sites, um, especially in some of the forestry. Yeah, definitely. There's the there's a couple of sites that you are free along the river. There's a few that you have to pay for and then you've got the... Um, the pay for forestry campsites, which are great for for families, you book them online. Depending on what site you book, is whether it's tent, caravan, camper trailer. Um, there's the the great long drop toilets there for for partners to use and children to use, as long as you don't drop your 
drop your kids in there. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's lots of great things to do around, especially South Australia, but all the states in Australia have similar things where people can just pack up and go and, you know, you're only worrying about a, a free or a cheap campsite and then just petrol money. Um, you know, every weekend we're, we'll try different stuff. Um, during summer we tried to go crabbing. That wasn't... <laughs> that wasn't a success you know the kids were a bit freaked out and it was a bit windy and a bit colder than i i would have liked it to be and then you know dealing with crabs jumping up and freaking out it it wasn't <laughs> wasn't a great experience for the kids that's for sure um lots of wet cold kids that weren't too happy about it but you know we've tried some beach fishing um down the murray mouth um squid fishing down Victor Harbour off of the bluff there. We do these trips into the hills where we go check out the forests and go catch frogs in small ponds and look for antlers and check out different types of mushrooms and make like walking sticks for the kids. And our main thing is just trying to get the kids to have fun. I guess like, um, you know, other things for our children is that the eldest Aiden plays a, soccer and football yeah and you know he loves being outdoors um you know having kids in sport they make so many different friendship groups um and i think the adults do too um we've just been talking about our youngest ollie who's two he's uh, going to be starting grasshopper soccer next year much to my disgust no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh, taking his brother's footsteps and absolutely Love soccer, uh, definitely following with Aiden, just wants to be Aiden. So yeah, definitely. We're going to have our hands full uh, next year, you know, two sports for the eldest, one for the youngest. Um, I think we'll take up, you know, our winter quite a bit. So we'll still have spring and summer free. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's good about having those small campsites and those um, – small places not too far away where we can just escape for the rest of the afternoon after we go out um and the friends that we've made with um the other kids parents during these sports things you know they've the soccer coach he's taken quite an interest in coming out shooting with us and um learning how to hunt and his son tags along as well so it's been a awesome experience to be able to show some more people on what we do and Aiden really enjoys being able to show his friends that we go shooting and t explains all about the, the firearms and the bows and sh like shooting animals and stuff like that to him. So it's definitely not something some of these ci city kids are used to, that's for sure. <laughs> they're just staring right at me. <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> come a long way <laughs> you definitely have and you've definitely had your moments along the way moments along the way and learning about it and you know for for someone dealing with me walking through the house with a deer over my shoulders that's still dripping blood down the hallway and you know deer hanging up in the garage and butchering meat <laughs> trying all the different different recipes i find out a Facebook and that you definitely deal with some shit when it comes to. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
like the only other thing that we do probably with the kids quite a bit, which we've already mentioned, is all the carapa- uh, caravan parks. So, um, you know, especially when you're camping, um, it's really it's, – it's quite a cheap trip. Um, you know, we're with the camper trailer. We have um, our recent – our trip that's coming up in a couple of weeks, actually, Swan Hill – We've hired a um, ensuite site, so we'll see how that goes for the first time. A bit fin- of glamping. Finally got my own way. <laughs> finally. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I think that's like just a really uh, good way to get the kids outdoors. Um, you know, new experiences for them to try, and like a bit of family bonding as well. Yeah, that's going to be a six-hour trip, so it's going to be interesting because it's going to be the longest Ollie's been in the car. Um, Aiden's done a couple of trips, similar distance, and then we did Phuket where he, f- you know, flew over there. However many hours that is over there, so we're just going to be loading up the iPads with um, games and movies, and then just lots of snacks in the back for him to make him as comfortable as possible. Blankets and pillows, and you know. If the kids aren't fighting in the back, <laughs> we won't be fighting in the front. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope we survive this trip. Yeah, if not, I'll I'll be still making the trip and you'll be on the side of the road with the two kids. <laughs> I think the um, other thing that we forgot to mention was um, our glamping trip that we did by ourselves a few months ago. Yeah, we did. We uh, booked a glamping trip up to Manham in the in the Murray Mallee glamping tents. Um, that was a pretty cool experience. You were you were freezing your tits off, but uh, it was a was a cold cold night. Um, but a cool cool experience. They have um, these big glamping tents with. What they have? They had the shower. They had the big double blow up mattress. Um, you know, we took the iPad and watched some movies on it. Um, but yeah, it was just a cool experience. And then one of the um, previous guests on the podcast, Rich, he um, went up there with his with his partner and out after some advice and seeing all the photos. So that was that was pretty cool. There's all those different things. Probably wouldn't do it too many times, but <laughs> especially now we've got the camper trailer, we can go out and do that. But it was definitely good to get away without the kids, that's for sure, mm. in something that was still, it was more you than me, but it was still... <laughs> no, it was definitely more you than me. No, it was no. camping still. <laughs> no, no, that was way too flash. <laughs> well, I think we've come to come to the end. Um was there anything else you wanted to to go over or? No, I think that's it for number 20. Number 20, the big 2-0. Um, so I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's made it this far. And if you're just listening from this episode, go back and listen to the rest. <laughs> Definitely don't start on this episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just thought it would be something a bit different getting my lovely wife on the podcast and hopefully some other other people's partners can get something out of this and some of you hunters and fishos can get something out of this whether you're just in the dating dating game trying to find <laughs> find someone to go out with you know you don't have to find someone that does exactly everything you do um kim and i are total opposites but we make it work <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. No worries. Well, that's the end of episode 20. Um, Jump on, give us a five-star rate, tell your friends, share, find us on all of our social medias, um, at Hunting Connection on Instagram, at Hunting Connect on Twitter, at Hunting Connection on Facebook. Um, Yeah, jump on, make sure you give us a five-star um rating on spotify itunes whatever you're listening on it all helps the podcast grow and um yeah thank you very much for listening